Welcome to Notes on a Painting. Notes on a Painting is a podcast by artists Olivia Kemp and Mark Connolly. Together each week we will discuss a painting that one of us has chosen and researched. Our choices of paintings will reflect where our tastes differ and overlap across the history of art. This week's episode includes references to sexual assault and voyeurism. If that may be triggering for you, we recommend skipping to the next episode. So this week, we are looking at the painting Susanna and the Elders by Guido Reni. So this painting is of a woman and two men, uh, about close to life size, um, I think about 150 by about 115. Um, The painting is pretty dark all in all. Um, Susanna is on the right within the picture frame Um, she is in a state of undress Um, she is wrapped in a sort of yellow golden um, fabric cloth clothing and uh, she has these is being approached by these two significantly older men Um, Susanna I would say looks to be in her early 20s, maybe late teens, early 20s. Um, and the men are 50s, 60s, maybe. Um, they're fully dressed. The men are fully dressed in um, red gowns. And the background is very dark. And Susanna really glows within the painting. Like, she really jumps out. Um, there's um, a luminosity to her and her nudity is really the focal point of the whole painting. Her expression is very guarded, and um, one of the the men the men and their approach are really disconcerting. The the man um, one of the men is actually gesturing with his finger over his mouth to sort of you know imply like to be quiet or to hush her, which is really unnerving and while simultaneously with his other hand he is sort of tugging on her cloak the other man is sort of feigning some sort of sympathy leaning in with one hand raised and one hand on her shoulder these two men that are double her age coming over to her clearly bothering her she doesn't want to be engaged with them so it's a very uncomfortable image and painting and and in the background you sort of yeah can't really make out an awful lot in terms of like the space kind of behind but yeah so Susanna on the right approached by these two men sort of a bit of tugging and hushing going on and it's all in all pretty uncomfortable so I guess um, that leads me to the first question which is what made you choose this painting for this week's discussion okay um so I don't feel like I chose this painting no offense to Guido Reni like specifically out of interest with this particular painting um but I do have a real interest in depictions of this scene, which is Susanna and the Elders. And it's a, I collect, like I make drawings of Susanna and the Elders from various galleries and I collect postcards and I have them up around my studio, like various images of um, clothed men and nude women and interactions in art history that I guess um, are now considered incredibly uncomfortable um, to look at and consider. Um, And it's always sort of been an interesting topic to me and um, I think it's something worth discussing. As um, I was telling Mark earlier, I've been going to the National Gallery since I was about 12 years old 
Um, I used to go once I was sort of 16 to 18, I'd go on my own. And um, yeah, I just from that age, I think when you're not introduced to pet these paintings with some kind of sensitivity warning, I just became so, I'm so desensitized to those sorts of images. And I think it's only really now that I'm assessing them with more and more sort of analytical um, gaze and thinking about what they're really, what they really mean and who they were made for and why they were made and why these scenes in particular are the ones that are chosen from these stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like um, even just on a really short period of time with this painting, the level of discomfort is, you know, it's tremendous, the tremendous level of discomfort. And mm. um, for a while, um, you know, like any sort of major museum and collection, you are often faced with, you know, almost endless nudity. Um, and I feel like, yeah, we often don't question it, but um, but this subject matter really does seem to go to um, a whole other level of depth beyond sort of, it's not really about a sort of like adoration of the human form it's not it's not elevating the human form no. or something um, no. it's not a glorification it's, it's not it's not in that theme of um you know greek um athletic athleticism that you see on greek vases and olympians and that kind of mm-hmm. adoration of the human form or self-love and love yeah. your body no matter what it doesn't it's not fitting into any of those categories um but before we're sort of getting into all of that i thought it would be Good to introduce the artist Guido Rennie and discuss um, Guido's contemporaries um, because it comes it, it comes into relevance when we talk about um, discussions of Susanna and the Elders later. Mm-hmm. Right. So Guido Rennie was born in Bologna um, in 1575, so um, about 30 years older than Rembrandt. Uh, born a year before the death of Titian. I'm just putting lots of context in. A contemporary of Caravaggio, El Greco, Lavinia Fontana, and Artemisia Gentileschi. So those are the that's the uh, art history canon to consider. Rennie was considered the best known and most prolific of the Bolognese. Bolognese? I don't want to say Bolognese. <laughs> Bolognese. Bolognese. I don't know. His, uh, school. His works combine the classical manner seen in um, works such as Poussin but with religious subject matter quite frequently, active in Rome, Naples, and as late native Bologna. Um, he was born into a family of musicians and apprenticed to an artist's studio from the age of nine. Age 20, he joined the studio of Ludovico Caracci, going on to form a prolific and successful school of Bolognese painters who followed Annibale Caracci to Rome. He left the academy by about 1598 and was working on commissions and living in Rome by 1601. Uh, He returned to Bologna almost permanently in 1614 as he felt underpaid by the papal ministers in Rome. He was a key figure in the Baroque movement. Baroque was a shift from the restrained and balanced compositions of the Renaissance era era, to a more dynamic and theatrical style. Rennie's work exemplifies the Baroque principles of grandeur, drama and emotional expression. Um, So you see in a lot of uh, Rennie's work, he's quite known for this uh, divine look where um, the subject matters are looking up to the heavens and mm-hmm. have this sort of beatific um, look on their face. Um, yeah, and quite a few of Rennie's uh, works have a sort of interesting, I'd say an interesting undercurrent of potential homoeroticism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you see it in his uh, David and Goliath, his St. Sebastian, which mm. is a famously sort of um, iconic 
if there's going to be a homoerotic painting, we would. Saint Sebastian is always part of that discussion, and he painted several Saint Sebastians who have that divine look. And um, interestingly, his Saint Sebastian is pierced by just the one arrow. That's interesting. Just by the single. The Usually, single arrow. Saint Sebastian is a bit of a pincushion for arrows. That's how he was made a saint. So I think I think some context for anyone who is not familiar with the representation of Saint Saint Sebastian mm-hmm. in the history of art is often a long, slender, boyish, uh, boyish figure. Yes, um, and yes, like a very, very soft, gentle figure, often um, in the dark. Uh, almost glowing under moonlight and leaning back in um in a very gentle manner and the the body often being concealed with um fabric which just seems to be seconds from falling off you know so this sort of like this great revealing of saint sebastian he's always um very slender and almost almost to be revealed mm-hmm. um but not actually revealed. Not actually revealed, no. So, yeah, um, there is that sort of undercurrent to Rennie's work, which I think is um, interesting, I guess, when we are later sort of coming into talking about this particular painting and who it was made for and why it's made. So a, a fun sort of sidebar fact about Guido is that he was commissioned by Henrietta Maria, who is the Queen of England and wife of Charles I, to paint a scene of Bacchus and Ariadne for her bedchamber. The painting, however, was never delivered, thanks in part to the civil war in England. It's also believed that it was then destroyed within a decade of its creation and cut up due to its salacious nature. Oh, wow. All we have now is a print which was made after that work by Bolognini. You can tell why I get confused um, with this. Bologna, Bolognese, Bolognini, a student of Rennie. However, a work came up for auction at Sotheby's in 2012, which could be a fragment of the lost Rennie. Mm. It's not the first fragment to survive. And in 2002, Dennis Mahon and Andrea Emiliani discovered a section portraying Ariadne, which is now in the Pinacoteca. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, just an interesting, um, I love it art sleuth story so mm-hmm. there's there's work out there yeah there's undiscovered work and more to come to more to come to light yeah and apparently very salacious although that's by a whole other standard too right okay so that's a little bit about the artist mm-hmm. um yeah so i guess we discussed the story of the work which is um susanna yes susanna and the elders is an apocryphal tale from the old testament book of daniel um so it's widely discussed, widely represented, but not necessarily widely considered accurate or that its inclusion in the Bible was um, necessary mm-hmm. or correct. It's difficult when dealing with um, uh, texts that some will consider stories and some will consider truths. So mm-hmm. I'm tiptoeing in my language here a little bit. Mm. Um, but yes, its inclusion was debatable. It's not included in any other texts of Abrahamic religions. Mm-hmm. Um, so Susanna is a young married woman bathing in her garden when she's ambushed by two elders who threaten to accuse her of adultery if she did not give in to their desires. A very much damned if you do, damned if you don't yeah. situation, particularly because of um, women being less likely to believe, and these are elders in the community, so already they hold a status over her. 
It's definitely an abuse of power. The power dynamic is very much... A planned abuse of power, yeah. definitely. But, you know, the the idea that they are waiting, hiding, that yeah. they know she'll be bathing in her garden. Yeah, you skulking. Know, all of that. Um, so she resists their advances, um, and so they carry out their threat, declaring her to be an adulteress. Su Susanna is tried for her supposed crime. She prays to God, her prayer is answered, and Daniel, a wise young man, questions them all, and the conflicting stories reveal the lie, and Susanna's name is cleared. It is so interesting that after the 15th century, the story starts to be more often than not depicted in art with an unclothed Susanna. And beginning about 1470, the nude Susanna is the subject of the majority of depictions. The practice gave the artists the opportunity to display their skill in depicting female nudes, often for the pleasure of male patrons. So I wonder what prompted that transition, that change. You can see on, um, I believe, Roman and medieval, um, not sarcophagi, but those sort of carved mm -hmm. tomb-like mm -hmm. um, relief sculptures. Mm -hmm. um, Susanna's depicted praying. She's... Mm -hmm. um, uh, looking up heavenwards and she's fully clothed and that is the element of the story that you see most often yeah. in those older depictions. So the nudity is really more to do with blame. You know, it's, it's a realignment of blame yeah. and responsibility. So the responsibility has now been, you know, yeah. up to her. Yeah, there's so and, and you know, and responsibility to clear her name. And there's so there's so much to unpick, I guess. Um really um early interpretations of the text by early popes um, talk about Susanna, um, her, her, I don't think of the right word. The thing that made it, made her, um, not saint-like, but like, um, martyr-like martyr right. was that she did not say anything, that she mm. did not speak. Which again, I guess, in the sort of context of today, the silence of women, women not being believed, there's a sort of, um, it's difficult. Endless, it's... endless tolerance. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so, yeah, according to Mary Garrard, who's an American art historian and one of the founders of feminist art theory and expert on the work of Guido Remy's peer, Artemisia Gentileschi, the scene has been unusually attractive to male artists and patrons as an opportunity for legitimised voyeurism. Other key moments from the story have been completely overlooked. The judgment of Daniel, which is another important moment in the story, and the stoning of the elders are comparatively rare in art. And instead of depicting images of truth or justice, we get repeated images mm -hmm. of a nude Susanna being accosted by the elders. Mm -hmm. I think... We could potentially accept images of a nude Susanna being accosted by the elders if they were accompanied by other images from the story. Yeah, I no, can't. I can't think of a single image of the story I've ever seen other than this moment. Yeah, which is really peculiar to just um, pull this one facet out, and also for the transformation of the framing of the narrative. Like that is mm. exceptionally uncommon. Like. It, you know, often throughout history, works come together in series, in bodies of work. Yes. You know, they um, they come together as clusters, and it's um, it's 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 incredibly uncommon to have a standalone narrative. Mm. That makes it would make no sense at all. Like it's a, like it, it genuinely is a fragment. It is a fragment. It's, it's a tiny, tiny fragment of the story. 
And I think that's what's sort of so troublesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I've, I've, you know, repeatedly referenced Artemisia um, as being his peer mm-hmm. and also someone who repeatedly referred to Susanna and the Elders as a subject matter. And I think it's really worth um, comparing the two. And I wouldn't usually in a sort of one of these episodes like bring in another artist quite so strongly. Mm-hmm. Um, but 10 years prior to this work being made, um, this Susanna and the Elders, Artemisia produced her first portrayal of this scene in 1610 when she was just 17 years old. And it's considered one of the earliest to portray Susanna as clearly distressed. And she produced at least three more in a similar vein. But this first painting by Artemisia Gentileschi, um, yeah, Susanna is, is really pulling away from the men. Um, she's sort of like framed on the left and these two men are sort of leaning over the wall and one of the men is whispering in the ear of the other man and one is um, sort of whispering in her ear. And he's quite rosy-cheeked, which sort of infers that he's been drinking... Um, and the, the the bodies of the men is kind of like a mound, you know. Mm. They're like they're like a big lump um, of clothed mass, basically. Their, their their figures are aren't given. They're not even really given a figure or form. No, no, no. They're just they're just their heads are almost just floating in space. And 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 Susanna is deeply troubled, sitting on steps. You know her, you know her privacy completely being invaded and. And, yeah, completely unwelcomed and unwanted attention, really. And I think that 1622 version by Artemisia that we're looking at at the moment as well, mm-hmm. um, that, to me, is one of the most powerful, one of my most powerful versions of Susanna and the Elders, mm-hmm. um, purely because Susanna seems to be crying. There's, yeah. a, there's um, a highlight around the eye that really brings home what's happening to her. What's happening to her is... Uh, is the proposition of a rape, essentially. It's a non-consensual situation. Mm -hmm. And she's already essentially assaulted. It's, it's It's a really troublesome topic. It's really troublesome that there are so many paintings like Remy's where Susanna is either only a little concerned, impassive... Or in quite a lot of scenarios, she looks like she's considering it, yeah. like she's weighing her options. Or that it's not just like absolutely outrageously unacceptable. Like it, it sort of normalizes it at a point where it seems as though it's to be expected. It seems incredibly normalized, almost encouraged. Yeah, it's, 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 it sort of raises the question: like, how do we interpret this painting? Is it aesthetically or thematically? Does the does the story take over from the painting? It's, we we're, you know, we can discuss further. You know, the the elders they have like rugged, dark faces, and Susanna is bathed in a white light, and um, all of that is important. But it's really hard to get away from the subject. Yeah, I mean, I think like um, in Guido Reni's um, painting, you know, like the. The light on Susanna is very much sort of feeling like symbolic, like of like purity. Mm. But is and that also voyeuristic? It is. No, it is. No, it is. It's absolutely voyeuristic. But I think like it's there's like seemingly some form of like self awareness of like the men are not pure. Mm. The men are like in the wrong, and I think that is something that is very difficult throughout art history when you sort of actually sort of pull back the skin a little and you think, well, okay, like symbolically what's happening here, there is a, there's a recognition by the artist that 
the the victim is pure, and mm-hmm. the people that are perpetrating are um, quite clearly, knowingly in the wrong. The fact that the man is, you know, hushing him, hushing her, telling her to be quiet, and the, the other is sort of like trying to soothe. Like it becomes incredibly obvious that there is so, they're they're exercising self awareness, and that they know they're in the wrong, and therefore the artist is also aware that it's not right. And so mm-hmm. to try and like create harmony out of this kind of image to create a cinematic harmonic vision of this altercation um is really just like brushing it under like you know all of the difficultness within the painting is just being brushed under the carpet and i feel like with artemisia artemisia really like um brings so much weight and gravity and emotion to it and really like um Susanna is not represented as just a mere object, as in the Guido Reni, you know, and I think that is... Absolutely, and a lot of, we have to remember, of course, that a lot of Artemisia's versions are painted after her own sexual assault. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a, like, a, a weight of experience in there, which is, like, I think it would be naive to deny it or to say that it's not yeah. present, because mm-hmm. there's such a pain there. Yeah. that you don't see in the other works of the there are the many many works of Susanna and the elders um and i don't you know obviously this is a, we're talking about something historical and i'm not pointing a finger specifically at this one mm-hmm. artist i don't it's not a subject matter he revisited over and over and over mm-hmm. and as i say a lot of his paintings are more more with the male form and, and i don't i feel like this painting you know Potentially it was produced for someone, it mm-hmm. was commissioned for someone. We know that it came out of an Italian house alongside another work of a similar size um, that they potentially were commissioned. It's 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 hard to say, but I think it's it's important to compare yeah. and to I guess consider what this work's doing on the wall and what it's saying mm-hmm. and how it's described to us when we um, when we look at it mm-hmm. and what sort of what our takeaway is because I feel like for a very long time my takeaway was this is a very nice painting of a pretty lady mm-hmm. um and when I was much younger um and would walk by really yeah. not wouldn't wasn't one I can say oh from a young age I was very into this painting mm-hmm. not at all it sort of comes onto my radar now if a lot later almost because it's been under under the radar yeah, 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 100% <laughs> I feel like it definitely has the power like the, like the subject has the power to do that to to have this painting surrounded by other paintings where there is you know nudity is bountiful and plentiful you know to have mm. to be surrounded it's almost it can get lost in plain sight but I think once you give the painting a little bit of time once you give it an inch mm. it just completely takes over and how can you you can't you can't just simply brush the intention aside, the intention of the men and the presence, you know, of the masculine presence, you know, you can, you can't unsee it. Once you've paid attention to it, you can't, you can't sort of shake that off. And I think that like it has, um, that realization or that feeling has an impact on every other sort of representation of nudity Mm. then, you know, and I think, you know, it's, um, there has been an ongoing conversation about the sort of role or position of the, glorification or adoration um of the nude in the whole within the art the history of art you know absolutely and i i I, you know in previous um years ago in in, um in teaching was pulled into conversations about rubens and his painting in the national gallery the rape of the sabine women which was painted only 10 years after this work and that's far more clearly labeled Mm 
far more clearly described, even though just like Susanna and the elders, there's no actual act happening in the painting. Yeah. It's still late, like titled The Rape of the Sabine Women. Susanna and the Elders is titled Susanna and the Elders. Yeah. It's very opaque. Yeah. What's actually, what's being proposed in that painting is exactly the same as what's being proposed in the Rubens, one could say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, when one thinks of someone like Rubens, you know, often the conversation will just lead into like technicality. To be able to like, well, you know, he made these, <laughs> made these you know, he, no one quite handles flesh like Rubens or something. But I think, you know, like, on the on a grander scale of like actual narrative to have that as center stage you know the the narrative of the rape of or you know like complete lack of consent um for that to be like front and center like that needs to be a part of the conversation you know Mm. because when we were we were thinking about this painting like and having a sort of conversation before recording thinking about what how does that how does that sit now in the present and like and, and what are solutions to that you know in terms of like painting is there I feel like what came to mind for me was that you know sort of a painting like this where there is a deeply troublesome problematic um scenario presented to you that like maybe that should be like offset curatorially maybe it should be offset I think, I think so I think well, you you know you go into the Courtauld gallery now and uh, an artist like Gauguin and his problematic paintings of young Tahitian women have been at least better labelled. I wouldn't say like the depth of what's going on is fully represented in the labelling, but I'd say that the the new interpretation is better. Mm-hmm. It's more it, it opens itself up to its own problems. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's very hard to like summarize a work like this, but I think it's a it's it's um as you were talking about it, like hiding in plain sight, that's why it's good to talk about it yeah. and talk about what the labelling says and what the context is and like how that compares to another artist. Unsurprisingly, that artist is female mm-hmm. and how they're presenting it and, mm-hmm. you know, how people can represent things they haven't experienced or like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so compli- complex. It is so complex. I was just thinking in terms of like Google and... Uh, you know, my relationship to his work sort of goes back, you know, slightly over a decade of, like, experience it in the flesh. And, you know, I think on uh, an immediate sort of response is, like, oh, they're, like, you know, the, the monotypes or the woodblock prints or the drawings or the sketches and the paintings, like, they're they're all quite um, idealistic. You know, it's obviously, like, he's, you know, very preoccupied with beauty and a representation of beauty or something and and it's easy for that to be as far as you dig and you know I don't feel like um, an artwork has to only be considered through the lens of who it was and what they were making but I think it's a big part of it it's a very big part of it and I think particularly with like Hogan that like you know my relationship to that work has changed over time and like there are still a lot of Hogan's works that are like um, of interest to me but I think um well, yeah, it's the same as this. I would feel more more strongly and vehemently about Remy if he'd made multiples of this. Yes. If this was if this was something that he went on and on about throughout his painting career. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm aware, there's only one. I may mm-hmm. be incorrect when I Google it. This is the only one that comes up mm-hmm. the National Gallery version. Um, so even if there are more, there's not a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is, that's also worth you know worth discussing. Someone like this artist, there aren't loads and loads and loads of these. There are 
loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of go-getters yes, of are. the same in you know inappropriate subject yeah. matter. Yeah. And I don't I don't think one, you know, one crime versus ten crimes, you know, it's complicated. But I think it's worth mentioning. I think it is complicated, but it's also like it's really important to have a broader sense of what is the context because like personally like my enjoyment of Gauguin has sort of taken took quite a big dip really the more Same. the more I became aware of <laughs> Same here. you know it's, it's hard it's hard to it's really hard to stomach like it's really hard to stomach I think in terms of like okay like it's not all about uh, just damning the past and like of course people would say like well you know there were different times. I think that's a ridiculous thing to say but I think like often like the justifications are ridiculous I think like in terms of um, a defense of not giving full context I think that full, we should always have full context yeah. In terms of like what it is, what is the intention, um, and how was it um, delivered, and and why, and and how does it function within the time, and how does it function now? But I think yeah, I've like I've really struggled with Gauguin like since um, you know spending a lot more time with his work and like and, and digging in a little deeper. And that's not to say that some of the works are not very important and you know pictorially inventive or innovative or you know, influential, yes, absolutely. But in terms of, like, the context, that's absolutely essential, you know? Mm. And, like... And... I think it's important to consider the fact that, like, something like this this, this work, different people may have a different, completely different reaction to it. Yeah. Personally, I don't have a problem with it being in the gallery if it's labelled as what it is and yeah. if what, what it is is described accurately, then I'm happy with that. Well, because the works are in a public space as a resource, so the resource, what is the function of the resource? The resource is to say, this is something that happened historically, this is a representation of something it's that a, happened It's a biblical story, you know, yeah. it exists in a text. Yeah. Has it been widely overused by male artists for a male gaze? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it has. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, and also, really, like, um, you know, Artemisia's representations of Suzanne and the Elders, I mean... I can't really think of a painting from then onwards until now where there is quite the same level of power or gravity mm. to the nude, you know, because, you know... The emotion of those gets me. Yeah. I have them on my studio wall whenever I make any eye contact with Susanna. I'm like, it hits me. Yeah. It's guttural. You yeah. feel it. And I think that's um, so powerful in a painting of that time. Yeah, because I think we do sort of like look back at um, the idea of like, you know, I guess um, early modernism. We look back at the idea of painting the nude as quite a quaint idea, like not quaint in a remotely uh justified or acceptable manner but just kind of like how quaint you know a bit patronizing mm-hmm. because like lovely little life drawing class yeah that but like, what's, yeah, and okay okay like you know um that's i'm not being entirely disparaging of teaching of like how to how to represent um human form of course that's absolutely you know that's absolutely valid to represent human form absolutely valid but in terms of like that as a sole practice like I'm going to paint the nude. I like it's been it's been out. Well, of... I've always said to you, I'm always very creeped out by um, male artists who just paint pretty females. I mean, I don't know. I how, have to question. I don't know how that. I mean, how can that really fly? Yeah. You know, like in terms of, I mean, I think that is definitely the first thought I have of a painting or any artwork, any artwork. Like, what is it? What am I looking at? I think that's exactly that's exactly it. I think that is the right question. Is what are we looking at and why are we looking at yeah. it? And I think that context of this was made for the male gaze. Yeah. This um, story was used as an excuse in art history mm. 
to give pleasure mm-hmm. to men. Yeah. Uh, male patrons. And I, I, you know, I would say all oh, male or female, but I'm talking about there's massive financial imbalance at that time. Patrons would have been male. Yeah. I can't, you know, it's hard to imagine it any other way. And I think that's the most important thing. I think it, it, with a work like this, with the con- contentious issue like this is to know why it was made and who it was made for. And we can understand and contextualize the work because of that. Thank you for joining us this week. We can never be 100% sure of the accuracy of historical events. However, the information we are providing is based on our own research. If there is a painting which you would like to hear us discuss, please let us know on social media. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe for weekly episodes.